For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Lee Vowell and Todd Vandenberg. And uh, welcome back to the 12th Man Rising Podcast. Todd is with me. I'm Lee. We have Andrew again back on the show. Andrew, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, everybody? It's uh, we're in the in between time, right? Where it's like, unless you're somebody on on our Facebook, talking rising Facebook, yelling at us that there's an off season, have an off there's season an off like season. everybody else. Have an off season. Don't it's write like, articles. It's like, why are you looking at the article, assuming. moron? Shut up. We assume that's what he was talking about. He could have been just mad that Pro Football Focus had it was Pro Football Focus, right? Had let me Gino look at his name. Call him out personally and tell him he's stupid. <laughs> yeah. well, was, that there's that there's an off season. When he's looking at football articles, like, <laughs> you're the one looking at it. I guess no football articles ever should write any articles Joseph between Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. More bullshit. John, John Robinson. All in caps have a blank offseason like every other sport. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, dude. I'm sorry. We forced you to look at a football article That's right. during the offseason. You're well, the one like he's an offseason. He, he doesn't even want him to get in to lob and smash and, and then see what I write there because it's like, well, we have the month. We have like three weeks of an off season. Sorry. You know what Joseph Robinson needs? He needs a fine adult beverage from D9 Brewery <laughs> Company. German chocolate <laughs> cake, a fine coconut pecan stout. Brought to you by nobody because they probably wouldn't sue us now. Thanks. That's, that's probably true. So uh, anyway, we'll we'll get into the Seahawks stuff first, awesome. which we've done in the last few podcasts. We're proud of ourselves. Um, and so, and definitely happy to have Andrew on the podcast because then he can actually shine some logic on our stupid and conversation. Actually talk about this. Oh, there's lots of good things to talk about. <laughs> oh, do you have anything you want to just throw out there? Maybe you don't have on the list that we talked about pre pre-production and, um, anything that really is just, you know, you're really angry about or anything like that that you've seen recently. Um, no, not really. I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the, um, like listing position groups of concern or po- even position groups that, that we're excited about because there's lots of groups to be excited about as well. That's true. Yeah. And, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up. We'll kind of work backwards a little bit because I think some of the position groups that, um, we're excited about, or at least I'm excited about kind of rely on the rookies to be good so the receivers i mean metcalf and lockett obviously are already good but they really have needed a wide receiver three for for a long time forever almost it feels like and jackson smith and jigba should be that but he has to produce as a receiver as a rookie which isn't easy and then i have you know the running back group and running back groups are really young i mean dj dallas and then kenny kenneth walker is an old man at that group so um are there any are andrew are there any groups that like you're worried about and then which ones do you see as like oh i feel completely confident that this can this group can lead to a lot of wins i would say the position group i'm most concerned about would probably be the defensive line 
just because there's so many young guys sprinkled in with a with a lot of uh, veteran guys. So it's it's kind of an interesting mix of lots of experience, maybe guys closer towards the end of their career versus a lot of guys who are just beginning their career. So it's kind of interesting um, the way that that group kind of lays out or shapes up this year. Um, I think they did a great job adding Mike Morris and Cameron Young um, this in this draft, as long uh, as well as uh, Derek Hall uh, in the second round, uh, and adding Draymond Jones in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, and you got Todd's guy Mike Morris. Yep, my guy Mike Morris. I agreed, agreed. That and to me, that's the big question mark because the focus, at rightfully so, has been on pass rush. It's like. Who are we going to get into the pass rush? Who are we going to get in the pass rush? Because there's no one been consistent outside of Nosu. But as I wrote, and I'm going to toot my own heart, like, toot, toot. we need a nose tackle. Desperately need a nose tackle. And they just traded for Aaron Donald. <laughs> and, you know, even if they had, he's not, the, he's not what they need. I mean, I know that sounds insane, but they need a big. As KJ Wright said, they need that dude who's 340, 350, who can just, like, kill the run up the middle. And Al Woods was that guy. Al Woods was critically underrated for everyone outside of Seattle. And and I I understand why they moved on from Al Woods, because he's, like, 89 years old. And at (laughs) some point, he's going to go into decline. That's why Puna Ford had an offseason, because they plugged him in. And he's not big enough. He's... He's just not the right size for that. Cam Young is a little undersized. I'm hoping that he'll add like 87 pounds. I think he has added like 20 pounds already. Yeah, yeah. Which would put him at about what? I think 330, which is now you're getting I think to the it's point 160, 165. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I uh, hate to tell you, but you're being drafted as the new nose tackle. <laughs> but they need, they need a nose tackle. They absolutely have to have some guy who can, as KJ Wright said again, is like, you got to have someone who's going to do the dirty work who can let the linebackers get in there instead of having them being the first people to react to the guy slashing because no one in the middle can stop them. That's what happened with the Seahawks last season. All too, I mean, people we never heard of were getting like 80 yards on nine carries practically. It was pathetic. So yeah. they've got to do that. I mean, they have, I don't know, at last count, what do they have, like seven defensive ends? I was going to say 70, but that's an exaggeration. But <laughs> I, I mean, and I mean quality defensive ends. I don't mean like guys who are going to be on the practice squad and get cut. I, I mean, they have, they're loaded at defensive end. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it'd be cool to get Aaron Donald. And as he wrote, Lee, like that's never going to happen because of the contract <laughs> situation and all the rest of it, despite what people on Twitter say who didn't read the article. But <laughs> uh, again, you're playing a 3 4, someone's got to be in the middle. And Monet, uh, who knows if he'll even be back this season, but he's kind of proven he's not the guy anyway. And this is his fourth year. Like, I'm pretty sure he's not the right guy for the fit. I like him, but he's not the guy. And they need the guy. And maybe Cam Young will be the guy that would be fantastic. I mean, one of the write-ups on him on the combine was literally, he does the dirty work to let the line back. I mean, literally what we need. Now, if he can do it at the NFL level, because... That's a different animal, as as we know from college. 
So we'll see if he can do it. I hope so. That would be fantastic. But yeah. that's my biggest concern, the position concern. Everywhere else, yeah, there's question marks everywhere because, like you both said, there's a lot of new players. And there's a ton of rookies everywhere. I mean, like you said, Ken Walker, Kenneth Walker III, is is almost the old man of the running back four, and that's <laughs> insane. It's his second freaking year. Uh, I like uh, what's not to like about the running back core. I mean, I really think Kenny McIntosh will. I think he'll have six, seven hundred yards from scrimmage this year, which for the guy who's third or fourth string, that's pretty awesome. I, I really think he's going to be great. I, I, all of them will be big contributors. So it's not a group I'm worried about. And wide receiver, uh, rookie wide receivers almost always have a tough time. Absolutely, I agree. But. Are they really going to be paying much attention to that dude when they got to worry about Metcalf? <laughs> that's and, the hope. And, and, I mean, and that's the realtor. The yeah, you that know. is the hope. Yeah, it's like they can't. There, there's no way that they could. Either that or Walker's going to run for like 2,500 yards this because you've got to <laughs> cover somebody. You've got to watch someone. And they can't double team three wide receivers. So, right. you know. I and, mean, they could illegally and they can but theoretically they oh they can sure it was like okay then what do you do about the guy who just scampered for 75 yards every damn play it's like <laughs> probably going to stop double covering everybody so i you know i think he'll have an excellent season I and mean, he might be second in receptions and yardage that's on true the season. He's my, because my who knows fear is uh, my fear is that even though they've got talent seattle has talent Mm-hmm. At lots of different places, there's no one position group where it's like, okay, except, well, I take that back, kicker and punter. But everywhere else, it's like, okay, you know, if one person gets hurt, there's not a lot of de- I mean, inside linebacker. If Wagner gets yeah. hurt, ugh, that's horrible. Yeah, or if Metcalf or, or Lockett get hurt. I mean, I know Smith and Jigba should be good, but we don't know yet. And, and then sure. running backs always get hurt every year. Um, so, and that's, it's funny because, because they're so young and because of Macintosh and Charbonnet, um, Charbonnet, I think they actually will, you know, be, be pretty good there, but I don't know, even with Gino, it's like, is he going to be second half of 2022 Gino, or is he going to be, it's, it's in, in Draymond Jones is like, is he really going to be, let's say he produces what he did in Denver. It's like, is that, is that transformative on that defensive line? I, I don't think so. Um, even Julian Love, we don't know. I mean, he should be fine, but we don't know of a fit. And Jamal Adams isn't going to be back anytime soon. It doesn't seem like. Neither is Daryl right. Taylor. And then Nusu may have to do what he did last year, and it still wasn't enough. So I, I don't know. It's it's a team that if like if they ball out and everybody does really well, they could win twelve or thirteen games, or they could win seven or eight. It, you just it's weird. It's weird with this team. Um, clearly, I have a better reading on them how in twenty twenty four, but. You know, Carroll always gets the best out of young players, even though he's so old. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this this team could go either way. Obviously, I hope they win every game, um, including the Super Bowl. I don't want them to be Patriots. Um, But you just kind of you kind of just don't know. It's it's weird. Um, I still wonder if they will make some some like changes uh, or pick up a player or two right near like Jamie and Clowney still out there, like pick up a player just before the season starts. Cause they seem to have, they did that with, uh, with Clowney. Right. And they did that right. with, uh, 
uh, yes. Adams. I mean, it's like, you know, well, Jamal Adams is a football player. A lot of people don't remember. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> one of those things where it, it's there still could be a change or two that happens. Um, but, oh, yeah, I mean, totally. I think that's how it is. Do, so, Andrew, which which rookie do you think actually, realistically, we think Smith and Jigba will be good and hopefully Devin Witherspoon uh, unless Mike Jackson takes his place, oddly enough. Um, which rookie do you think actually will stand out the most um, this season? Uh, I think it's Derek Hall because he's on the defensive line and he's going to have the ability to just to just play as much as possible because we need guys on the defensive line. And uh, I think... If they they seem to be very excited about him because they turned that card in like almost immediately when that's when his second when the second round pick came up the first second round pick came up and and they they turned it into the commissioner right away they want they wanted this guy so I'm interested to see what he does um, on that side of the ball of course you got Devin Witherspoon out there who they took with their with their first pick and and that's exciting. Because it adds another great element to that defense, which already has Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen in the in the defensive secondary at corner, and then you add him. So then it's kind of like, where are all those guys going to fit? And you look at, I think, like I said, yeah, Derek Hall is going to be really interesting to follow because because the defensive line is just, um, it's got a lot of veterans on it, but. It also has a lot of young players, so there's just lots of open competition there, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens as far as as far as his development. Yeah, I mean, there's there could be so many rookies that by week two or three are starting on this right. on this team. I mean, you could have a rookie center and a rookie right guard and a rookie linebacker starting opposite Nusu, rookie cornerback, rookie. I mean, if you if you are saying the three receiver set is what's going to be the base offense, that could be uh, Smith and Jigba would be the mm-hmm. the rookie. It's just, I mean, it's. I almost, I almost think it's easier to say which rookie won't have uh, a major contribution because uh, I think I think most of them will uh, at the least have a decent impact. Like Morris, like you said, because it's such a crowded uh, defensive line. Like you said, Andrew, I don't know how much impact Morris is going to have. I Ed, it'd be awesome. He's a mission guy. I'd be thrilled if he had a big impact. But at the same time, if he does, uh, to me, that means that either uh, Jones or Reed are not performing up to what we expected. So, you know, that's why hopefully Morris doesn't have, you know, unless he just has a ridiculous monster season and they can't keep him off the field. It's like, that would be lovely. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, personally, I'm I'm thinking Olu will have the biggest. I'm hoping Olu has, let's say, uh, considering his draft status, I'll put it that way. Uh, if he has a bigger impact on the season than Jackson Smith and Nimiga or Witherspoon, that's a, that's an issue. Because your center should not have a bigger impact on your season than a starting corner or the guy who could be your number two wide receiver. But considering his draft status, because um, we talked about it on the podcast before and i've written about it and i think he'll be a starting center after the bye week i don't think they'll quite put him in it'd be awesome if he's starting already because he's beaten out a guy who's played really well at center but i, I think he'll be the starting center after the bye week and i think he'll perform 
uh, in quite lovely fashion because, you know, they need someone who can communicate. And, and frankly, that was Austin Blythe's best talent. Uh, yeah, but he, he did it in a different language. Nobody really nothing. understands. Like, is he speaking <laughs> Latin? It's, nothing, um, nothing wrong with the guy, nothing to besmirch him. But, you know, it, it wasn't a huge loss for the Seahawks that he retired. Right. I mean, this was not this was not one of the best centers ever. Uh, so, you know, it's funny because they, they have a rookie. But, sorry to step on your toes. They have a rookie who didn't even get drafted, who we know is going to start from day one. Right. On special teams. The yeah. long snapper. It's like he's going to be yeah. there for the next 10 years. It's like the, the one rookie uh, you can guarantee probably. is going to be here for the next decade is the long snapper. So, which is true, so, right? Oh, yeah, that is true. And hopefully well, he should. I mean, he was a team captain, right? Exactly. As a long snapper. A long snapper. Like, what does that tell you about the dude? Well, as we joked about, though, uh, yeah. every player on Penn State's team was was nominated to be a captain. So. <laughs> it's like, who but, are you throwing out to do the coin flip this time? Uh, get the long snapper. I think will be, for me, considering the draft position, will be the standout. But uh, to me, this is a lot. This is so much like last year's draft, where it's going to be easier to identify the guys, not now, but afterwards. It's like, okay, this guy didn't produce like we thought. It, and obviously, one or two of these guys will be injured and miss a significant part of the season, if not the whole season, just because that's how it goes. We know that happens. And one guy will underperform, maybe two. Doesn't mean they were a busted pick, because right. we've seen plenty of cases where guys had, eh, they were okay. You know, when they're in the rookie season and then they exploded. And I, I think Mape will do that this season. I legitimately think he'll have a, a huge year because Frank Clark, what did Frank Clark do as a rookie? Not much. What did he do as a, in his second year? Boom. Right. I, you know, it happens. It takes time to adjust to the NFL. Just like you're saying, it's hard to have big expectations for a rookie wide receiver. So I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if uh, a couple of these guys are like, to me, Charbonnet is like, I'm not so sure how great he's going to be this year. Granted, he won't have a lot of opportunities, we hope. Hope, yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, it'd be great if he gets 50 carries because that's all that's available. Score. That's a big plus for, for the Seahawks. But I can see him splitting almost evenly with McIntosh. Because, I, I mean, I'm not dissing Charbonnet at all. The guy is, he's a great fit, a great fit for this team. And he's... He's a different style than Walker, absolutely. But I love what McIntosh can do. I mean, the seventh round, thats to me, that's ridiculous to get that guy in the seventh round. Chris Carson-esque. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, actually, and this is off subject, but uh, speaking of the 2022 draft, did you see Derek Young hanging out at the Storm game the other day? That, that was pretty cool. Oh, that was cool. the Storm game, but that is cool. Yeah, he, he had posted a photo of him watching the game, and then, of course, he... He entered the game like Max Fisher doing the wrestling game, like I'm an alternate. I will say that seems to be, and obviously this happens with other teams. Of course it does. But I don't know that it happens with other teams in other cities as much as it does with the Seahawks, where they just like. Well, buy and the baseball players do it, too. I, I think it's because yeah. it's, you're just kind of out there. You're Pacific yeah. Northwest and there's nothing. I mean, there's stuff to do in Seattle, obviously, but there's nothing else around you. It's not like New York has Boston and. Miami has other places in Miami, and and you've got you know I'm joking because Todd is 
Um, but you know, we got team, we got other stuff to do in Florida, but Seattle, you're just kind of out there. So you, the, the athletic community kind of knows each other, which I, like you said, I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. I've been to storm games. I mean, they're fantastic. Um, crowd's totally into it. It's, I mean, it's just as it should be, you know, it's a professional basketball game played at a high level that I couldn't score in and had, would have no part playing in. Who's this guy? They threw yeah. him in cause we want to lose the game, but Leon, um, kind of thing so uh, moving on to the coaching staff though pete carroll this week uh when he was on the jackie slater uh podcast on point i think is what it was called and he was being asked about uh of course slater's a usc guy and carroll's still a usc guy via coaching but he was asked about you know the the rams uh the rams season last year and sean mcveigh and pete said that you know he compared he's like yeah uh, mcveigh's the best or one of the best coaches I've ever faced or gone against. And, you know, I'm an old guy and he's a young guy. So it's kind of funny because Pete doesn't usually say I'm an old guy. And I know it doesn't yeah. mean like I'm old and I'm <laughs> blah, 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 because it's not Pete. But Pete is going to be 72 when the 72, that seems crazy. Yeah, 72 yeah. when the season, September 15th. So right after the season starts, he'll be 72, which means, you know, whenever he wants to step down, he's still successful. It's kind of up to him. They're not going to fire him. He would have to fire himself, really, because he's the vice president of football operations. But exactly. Um, but beyond uh, Carol, if say in two years he's like, you know what, I just want to kind of hang out with my grandkids and, and do that stuff. Um, who would you want? And and this may for me might include one of Todd's guys in Michigan. But who who would you want two or three people just off the top of your head? Because we haven't pre-proed this um who would you want to bring in as the next head coach for the seahawks i would say dan quinn would come to mind uh shane waldron and and clint hurt i mean uh, i mean the guys who are going to have the the inside track to that position are probably the assistant coaches that are, are probably already on the roster they could always bring in someone else from outside the organization but I remember back when the Rams were were really good back in the at the end of the 90s and like the early 2000s they had uh, Dick Vermeil I think was their head coach in mm-hmm. 1999 when they won the Super Bowl and then they took an offensive coordinator from uh, from that team I believe Mike Martz was the offensive coordinator of that team and they they essentially just put him in as the next as the next coach who's kind of the next in line. Um, Martz was a lot older than Waldron, but you know, as as you mentioned with Sean McVay, a lot of these a lot of these coaches now are a lot younger, so it 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 doesn't really matter how old how old you are. Um, if it depends on I, 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 if what direction they want to go, if they want to go all in on offense, I would say that you know Shane Waldron probably has has the best chance. Um, if they go defense, then maybe they go with someone on the roster that's currently coaching like Clint Hurt or maybe they go back to the Legion of Boom days and go go back to someone like Dan Quinn so yeah. um, those are the names that kind of come to mind I would think it's probably one of those three I would think right now I, w- I, w- I would I would trust if I was uh, the owner of the of the Seahawks yeah what about you Todd I would uh, my my first thought of course is Rain Wilson uh, that would of course. be I mean, or Jeffrey Dean Morgan, one of those. Jeffrey guys. Dean Morgan. Uh, honestly, if they split duties, heaven. That would be heaven. Um, you got to think, think that that Morgan would be the 
be the defensive coordinator there, yeah, right? Yeah, be the defensive coordinator. He would go. He would go into Negan mode, and they would just annihilate team. Problem is, they would probably be kicked out of the league because they would have killed like several. <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I totally agree with what Andrew said about either of the uh, assistant coaches. Um, I would lean probably more towards Hurt because that fits more. It's the identity of the of the Hawks. Uh, we'll see this year how effective Hurt really is. Yeah. Because this is the year he has to prove he's got the goods. I He's a hell of a lot better than the guy he took place that no, no matter what happens this year. The linebacker but, coach at UCLA? Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to me, he, fits, he more fits uh, the identity of the Seahawks, like basically for, really for their entire existence, but especially this iteration. And I don't see them going away from that because when Pete steps down from head coaching, if and when he ever does, uh, I think he'll still be with the team. I, I don't think he would have a very large hand, an yeah, old hand, but a large hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy who takes over. Because I think he'll still be like, you know, the, the president of the team or whatever uh, God emeritus of the Seahawks, whatever title they're going to give him. I hope. I hope he would do that rather than just retire and go surfing because we've got an off season to go surfing now. Okay. Off season. Uh, what? <laughs> there's no off season. Uh, it's Seahawks I, tw- 30, three, six, five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All year round. <laughs> it does make you wonder how much of a break they get, you know, cause they're always doing something. I mean, I know well, that's, that's their job. It it's like the rest of us work 365 days or, you know, we get weekends off or whatever, maybe, but it's like, if we're lucky, but still, it's like, I mean, that is their job. But when do they take, I mean, I know they take breaks like in between free agency and the draft. Maybe they'll take like, but they're really prepping. I mean, it's like a, it's not like it used to be when, when Todd and I were young and there were two teams in the league, right? And they were like, you know, they'd take breaks from for weeks on time. Now it's it's no longer like that. Heck, if you did that in the NFL now, you'd probably be like, are you not committed to your job? Kind of thing. Red and blue, that's all there was then. Uh, actually, despite the fact that it would. <laughs> the red and blue pill. My other favorite team, I wouldn't mind seeing Mike McDaniel being the next coach of the Seahawks. Because to me, he's a very Pete Carroll type coach, as in he's a, he is. Where did he come from, though? I, 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 yeah, well, he's coached the coach of Miami, but what did he do before he, did, I mean, because it's like I'm, you know, I'm, I don't follow the Dolphins. I know he, was, he was, he was some grunt was, with the Patriots. Um, he was okay. San Francisco, I think, before, yeah, before he that, went to Miami. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was with Frisco first. Uh, you know, he's if there's a second guy who's a player's coach after Pete Carroll, is Pete Carroll, as we know, is the ultimate player's coach in a good way. Not like that used to be, or for some people still is, is like that's like an, an insult. Oh, he's a player's coach because the team, you know, because they do whatever they want and the team, you know, wins three games and then they, they're, they're out the door. Pete Carroll's in a player's coach who relates to them as people as adults and still gets the most out of them. Right. Which he thinks uh, work. He it works for him, right? Because he thinks that if you allow people to be themselves then they will right. be better on the field, which can't argue and, with his success. And, and look at how many guys come back, even guys who butted heads with him. And, and to me, the fact that they butt heads with him speaks volumes about him because he's okay with that because he understands <laughs> adults are going to have conflicts. And he understands that, and then he doesn't say, "Is like you're out of here." Like, okay, yeah, they got like the players who butt heads with uh, Belichick, right? Right, Right. exactly. You're gone. 
And Pete's going to do it his way because he's the head coach after all. And that's what he tells them. But he listens to them clearly, unless, of course, it's, you know, number three and says, it's like, you need to be out of here because I need to run the team. It's like, not so fast. Uh, but McDaniel's very much the same kind of coach. Uh, yes, he looks like he's an accountant. I don't. I was care. about to say he doesn't look like Andy Reid, who looks like a football coach. He looks like yeah, yeah. He's like an accountant, just like you say. Right. Uh, the, the guy is an excellent. He's already to me. He's already proven he's an excellent coach. I, I would hate to see him leave. He actually looks like Rold from Letterkenny. <laughs> the Dolphins, but I would not be hurt if he became the next head coach of the Seahawks. They would have to offer him a lot of money, but he's not the guy who like is into the Miami lifestyle. I mean, mm. he's not he's not hitting South Beach. I mean, you know, it's like, I think he would fit I, in Seattle much better anyway. Uh, but other than that, it's like one of the assistants, more likely, I think there'll probably be some hot, I have no idea, no name off the top of my head, but some rising star assistant coach somewhere, maybe even just like a receivers coach, or linebacker coach, not that linebacker coach, and <laughs> bring them in as an assistant. And then because if Waldron and or Hurt do their job, they're going to be moving on pretty quickly. Yeah, maybe not in the point. time. Maybe not in the time frame uh, before Pete hangs it up. But it just because his contract runs out doesn't mean he's not going to sign another contract. Because does he show any signs of slowing down? Zero. No. No. Absolutely. So, not. You know, he could. I. I would be a bit surprised to see him sign like a, a three-year contract or even a five-year contract after this. Three. Eh, I, I. I think more like a three-year contract, and I think he would be happy with that. But, you know, we we could be looking at five, six more years of, of Pete, which doesn't exactly break my heart because he is one of the best coaches in league history. So, you know, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on how soon the team sells. Now I'm seeing 2026, 2027, possibly. And before it was like 2025. And it could be that the owner, you know how owners are. They want to come in and especially if it's the Amazon guy. But they want to come in and and like make sweeping changes. Make their son-in-law the head coach. Yeah, of course. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Become the GM. Um, And uh, but but yeah, I. So I think that may have something to do with how long Carroll stays. Again, we've we've all seen him. I'm assuming we've all. I, I'm, Andrew, I don't know if you've seen a game live. I'm sure you've seen thousands of them. Uh, but, you know, see Pete out there before the game, tossing the ball around with the players. I mean, he looks he looks like he's 25 instead of almost 72 yeah. years old. Yeah, um, got that young spirit. Yeah, I mean, he's just very spry out there. He's clearly still on top of his game. I mean, he took a team that nobody expected him to do anything and took him to the playoffs last year. And that, that doesn't happen unless the young guys buy into what Pete says. And if you're hearing the 71-year-old guy say blah, 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 and you're like, oh, I'm going to tune this guy out. They clearly didn't, and they won't this year right. probably either. Yeah, um, but They, they I, never I, do. Yeah, they don't. Um, well, until they get that well, second or third contract, right? And yeah, then it's yeah, yeah. Like, but um, when well, they mean, do that with everybody, every. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done. Coach, really? Sure. And and Michael to Michael Bennett to to defend Michael Bennett, like he's the one I was thinking of, of betting heads with Pete. And who's back with a C? Not you know, Michael Bennett. Or right. Sherm, right? And, and Sherm. Who just got kicked off of Stars on Mars, by the way, last week. Uh, Oh, really? (laughs) Sorry, breaking news. So Marshawn's still on there. I think Marshawn will be on until the end because he in beast mode is like a a sponsor of the the show. (laughs) Wow. um, (laughs) Marshawn will eat the last person. (laughs) Yeah. I will. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sherm left and, you know, we all know Sherm. He's. He had that bad mess up. What was that like two yeah. off seasons ago, whatever it was, right. two or three. Um, and then, um, but he off the field, he's not a problem. And he's a lot of just hyperbole, you know, and stuff. And and you kind of get that. But the fact that he came back and was like, I'm going to teach this woolen guy. I mean, that says a lot about him. It also says a lot about mm-hmm. how, like you said, Bombs. the players respect uh, Carol. But and I, the fact, I, and the fact that Pete, like, it's like <clears throat> Pete has discussions and disagreements and it's like, man, so good to see you. And he genuinely means it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I am. Um, I'd love Dan Quinn. I thought Dan Quinn got it kind of a yeah. raw deal in Atlanta. I mean, took the team to the Super Bowl. It wasn't really his fault. They dropped the ball in the second half. Um, and then uh, I, I think he would be a really good head coach in Seattle. And I can see if, especially if Pete's involved with the decision making, like that's one of his former guys. Right? Only was there for yeah. two years, but makes sense. Um, and so. I'd love to see Harbaugh come come see a completely different but yeah (laughs) successful 49ers coach has now gotten michigan to where it's like every year in year out took him a while but year in year out it's like but the guy knows football his brother clearly knows football it's he's he would be a good it would be i'm not a harbaugh fan i don't dislike him i think he's actually (laughs) pretty well we're not going to get into politics i think he's pretty liberal which i think would fit in seattle too he doesn't okay. come across like he is, but how many people are like, yeah, I'll have Colin Kaepernick at my halftime of my uh, <laughs> right. scrimmage. Um, but um, but he, he's he's a great football coach, period. And if he went, he's going to go back to the pros eventually, you know, as long it as he has. A good, so, yeah. Yeah. As long as he has a good working relationship with the general manager. And I, I think Schneider would get along with pretty much anybody. He's almost like Carol in that way. Um, I mean, I, I would I, I know people hate that idea, but why? The guy's a winner. And yeah, he I love, can, yeah, I love the idea. I mean, like you said, he proved he could coach in the pros, clearly. And the, the fact that he was in trouble at Michigan because they sucked. I mean, for Michigan. Right. And they said, okay. Well, they kept losing to Ohio to State, right? That's part right. of it. I know so you beat Urban Meyer. Yeah. You, you, we know you're loyal to your staff. Urban Meyer, the cheater. You know, <laughs> these things happen when you. Cheater. That's, that's the lesser of his issues. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, but as far as so. on the field that, you know, that's what applied. Uh, and they said, it's like, dude, you got to change your staff because you're not getting the job done. And we have seen how loyalty can hurt coaches. Hello, Pete Carroll. Loyal to a guy who's not getting the job done. But when if you finally realize, it's like, you know what? You're right. He listened. He brought in new coordinators. Boom, look what happened. So he's not averse. He's not so dead set in his ways that, by God, I'm going to do it my way no matter what. He realizes we have to make a change. And he did it. That shows a lot about, to me, about him as well. All that being said, is like to me, Dan Quinn is the best choice out of out of all of these guys. I mean, including Rain Wilson, and that hurts me to say that. But, uh, and I mean, however, any of those guys, 
I think the team would be in good hands for sure. Yeah. Well, Andrew, we're going to let you go now. I really appreciate you being on the show. You have to come back before at least a season. We don't know what the schedule is going to look like because Todd's moving to Canada. That's not a joke. Wow, it sounds like Canada. a joke, but it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, in, uh, um, three weeks. Yeah, so we'll uh, so we'll um, put the detour in Tennessee. Figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna hang, we're gonna hang out and do the podcast. We used to do this show live from a, a restaurant, and um, so we're gonna do that uh, in a few weeks. But again, um, but but we'll figure it out. And then before the season, because we we didn't get to two things I really am excited to talk about, which are the season's success if these things happen or a failure if these things happen. So we'll definitely talk about those next time. Um, but otherwise, I really appreciate it. you're always great to have on. But both times you've been on, you're you're at a, a a bit of levity that to the show that we just don't normally have. So I really really appreciate that and and um, professionalism that we never have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is nice. Like, yeah. oh, listen, there's actually a guy who knows what the hell he's talking about. I'm gonna listen to this show more often. Yeah, no, we're just Argonauts fans. We just pretend we know something about this. <laughs> um. But uh, anyway, yeah, thanks thanks for being on, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you guys for having me again. I, I lo- always love coming on here and talking Seahawks with you guys. Awesome. We'll talk to you thank soon. You. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, we both said awesome jinx. The Argonauts we said awesome celebrating jinx. 150 years <laughs> as a professional club. Not football, because there was no football when they started, but that's another story. Um, they started off as lacrosse. They started. They started off as rowing, as a row, which makes sense. Argo knots. So you know, yeah, their new uniforms actually have like crossed oars. I oh. actually, I think it's an oar down there. I thought that just meant we're a sinking ship. <laughs> Are we gonna go there? Is it too soon? Yeah, it's too soon. <laughs> too soon for this show. If this is the Nikki X Happy Hour, where this is the only thing we're talking about. Um, Live yeah, from Toronto. Thank you, um, Andrew. That was awesome. Um, and. Seriously, Andrew knows his stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's with you. Yeah, clearly. So, By the way, you uh, never said what you're drinking. Are, are you not drinking anything? That would explain I, the quality of the show. It's much better than usual. If you're not I'm drinking. drinking a beer called Gates of oh, yeah, yeah, Yasamite. Yeah, 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 I totally forgot Yasamite. that. Yasamite. Gates Brown, pinch hitting in the ninth. God, that would be a great beer. Oh, yeah. Not that right reminds founder. me. Pounders needs, needs, Pounders needs to come with a Gates Brown ale. Like, clearly. Pinch hitting. I, two things. I didn't know there was a series between the Cubs and the Reds currently going on that was being played in London. Yes. Great job, Major League Baseball. If it's NFL, it's like, we've, we're playing in London in three years. I just week. noticed that last night when I saw the box score. Exactly. It's like, it, why would you not a, be screaming about That's not the first series this? in London. It's, it's like, what? Really? When, what? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what happened? There was another series we're both, of London at we're some both point? baseball fans. Yeah, no. Oh, because it's God. baseball for you, right? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Like, oh, baseball deep. returns to London. I'm like, when was it there before? Returns? Oh, they, mean, they, they must mean when they were playing cricket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> rounders. Yeah, they were playing rounders in 1847. Uh, it's like we can't play lacrosse all year long. Let's uh, let's lower <laughs> these things and add a net that sticks on the ground. And, I'm gonna uh, go up for a lacrosse team because I, I wish to instantly die, and that's what would happen if I played <laughs> lacrosse. It is dangerous. Uh, oh all God. joking aside, I still can't believe that lacrosse. I mean, I know there's a professional lacrosse, at least one professional lacrosse league, but 
how this game oh, there's tons of them that's how hockey started has not started out has not picked up into like a major sport at least sub major like hockey and it's canadian but and hockey uh you know it's just yeah but even hockey is like it's probably honestly it's probably easier to find a curling contest than it is a lacrosse match and it's just bizarre because lacrosse is phenomenally exciting and kind of brutal did did lacrosse come from hurling sure I mean, they look, I mean, they, it's the same, I mean, cause there's a lot of Irish ancestry in Canada, right? I have no idea how this podcast went straight from Seahawks into what is lacrosse, the history of lacrosse in like three minutes. Um, <laughs> could be, but I mean, could it be, looks like it. It's fundamentally pato. like that. Could be pato, which is the national sport of Argentina, which they used to play with a live duck in a bag. Did you, did you know in Argentina they, they call it they Argentina? That. Argentina. Argentina. They uh they they uh outlawed the live duck part in 1983. 1983. 1983. You used to play with a live duck in a bag as the ball. What? Only because they were running out of ducks. Okay, probably, and they ran out of ducks pretty fast. I was like, what are you doing? But I mean, it's weird. I mean, it's really weird because it's like polo. But no polo sticks, and the ball has handles. What the hell kind of a game is that? You'll have to look it up. And I don't mean newly. I mean the other three <laughs> listeners, because it's absolutely bizarre. Anyway, there should be a national patoli, because that would be awesome. What are we going to talk about the rest of the time? I'm not, no. Now I'm really looking up, is, her, is lacrosse existing because of... So lacrosse started off as a Native American sport. Yeah, it's a Native American cool? sport, yeah. Okay. But it looks like... It was Iroquois, actually, maybe. I think it was makes up sense. where what is now upstate New York area into bleeding into Canada. I think that's where the game actually started. They used pilgrim's heads as the ball, which makes perfect sense. They There's did. a lot of uh, hurling and lacrosse are both stick and ball games, but they if have only distinct they, differences. If only they had all done that, we'd be speaking Chippewa and Apache right now. Um, <laughs> it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be really cool. It'd be like playing I'm football in cities called the, Pontiac. From the from, yeah, really. I'm originally from the land of the Chippewa, and you are originally from the land of the Cherokee. We <laughs> we blend with our chiness. That's right. Um, cha cha. Ooh, that's know the where that came from. Cherokee actually spoke Latin. A lot of people don't. know <laughs> <laughs> They actually taught the Romans Latin. That ate it. That's right. Um, it's like uh, you get further north, and it's like, oh, we can't go any further north. That's Geronimo's Wall. <laughs> so, anyway, so um, I'm gonna write about Geronimo. Anyway, to do some more writing about Geronimo. Hadrian's Wall, people. Hadrian's Wall. No, it's Geronimo's Wall. Um, Roman, Latin. Um, there's a connection. Do we want to talk about the uh, asteroid city? Things that can go. No. Uh, <laughs> well, I do, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, have you it's seen? Great. It? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, of course. Uh, I told you, I saw it like opening day. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. of course, it's Wes Anderson. Yeah, of course. Um, Although I saw Vertigo right me. the day before. Now I'm kind of confusing the two. <laughs> I'm like, was that was that animation? And no, that wasn't Vertigo. So. <laughs> Don't spoil it for me. But the trailer shows all the typical Wes Anderson shots. The rest of it is not like that at all, right? It's like he went full Quentin Tarantino on the rest. Of it. <laughs> um, 
those are the two most diametrically opposed directors I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> They're, uh, it, it's, it's very Wes Anderson, very Wes Anderson film. So if you like his films, you'll definitely like this one. This one is definitely, this one is definitely Be Wes Anderson different film. in, in oh, a lot of different that ways. Is, that is a Wes Anderson film, then. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, the story, the dialogue's still very Wes Anderson. Um, yeah. the, the, As opposed to dialogue. <laughs> yeah. The dialogue of Isle of Dogs is what? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And, <laughs> and the way the the dialogue is spoken is definitely Wes Anderson. There's, but there's definitely, um, of course, a lot of the same actors. There's there's um, there's some more. I, I, you'll just have to see it. There's a Roadrunner in it, which doesn't really have anything to do with the plot line, but it's like clearly Wes Anderson like Bugs Bunny, and um, it's just it's just interesting. Yeah, you'll it's definitely different. I might I might see it today. I'm. I'm I'm torn between doing something I need to do, which is go to my storage unit and kind of get things set, stage my departure, or go see a film. And I'm torn between three films. Asteroid City, totally need to see that. Across the Spider-Verse, part one, totally need to see that. And The Flash, because I can't wait to rip it, but I can't rip it until I see it to know for a fact that it's ripped, that it's deserving of being Donna saw it. The Flash? Um, Yeah, she saw The Flash. And Donna and loved it, didn't she? She thought it was it was very funny. Was, <laughs> oh God! I mean, but in a good way. She said the, it's, the special effects aren't you know it's, it is yeah. what it is. But she said it's it was better than what she was hoping for. Her brother's I love, a. Big I fan. love the explanation for the special effects suck because it's from the Flash's perspective as he travels through the multiverses. It's like, oh, <laughs> and that's why the and it's DC in every other DC movie. Gotcha. Thanks for the explanation. Like, why do you guys, how, how do you spend $200 million making a movie and $17, not $17 million, but 17 of it is on the special effects? I, I can't figure that out. Anyway. That is uh, weird. Yeah. What do you Oops. spend it on otherwise? Yeah, seriously. Like Wonder Woman 84, the big climactic fight that you basically can't see. So good. Um, do we want to talk about what the Seahawks the pros and cons of what we're still talking Seahawks make their season kill their season or are we, we just moving on and we save no, that. We'll, we'll save that. We'll save that. Cause that's a whole nother three yeah, hours season. Cause the season starts tomorrow. So we got to talk about it right now. That's how it'll feel. Be like, oh, it's, it's still three months away, but it feels like it's like, it should be like, Oh, it's next month. Around you know, the corner. Kind of thing. Yeah. Around the corner. Um, Around the oh, corner. Just lightning oh, outside my home. Oh, Oh, I wanted to give a quick shout out. I meant to do this earlier. Uh, is this a sponsor? Is this a sponsorship? Because otherwise, no, it's one of our. This is one of our guys, Marcellus Maddox, because oh, okay. he, he wrote an article revisiting the Seahawks and Jimmy Graham trade eight years later. When I first thought this, my knee jerk reaction was like, "Dude, I wrote about this before." But then, then like a quarter of a millisecond after that, like literally, like yeah, and there's no way he would know that because behind the scenes. You can't look up articles that anyone has done in the past. <laughs> and publicly, you can't look up articles. So there's no way he would have known that. And besides, this is like three or four years after I wrote it. So, you know, it's a fresh take on it. Which makes right. Sense. Uh, and there's really nothing wrong well, with having right. two writers do the same thing anyway. Like, I mean, even if, if it's if, the same thing. Yeah, if he had exactly the same take, that would be weird. But, you know, he doesn't, obviously. Right. Uh, reaches the same conclusion. As we both have, we are both on record as saying the worst trade in Seahawks history. 
but he did bring up the fact that, oh, well, you know, one good thing came out of it. We got Tyler Lockett out of it. Yay. Yeah. Because one of the picks they got was Tyler Lockett, which is, uh, you know, that changes the uh, aspect or the, the, the total impact of the trade. But it's like, what a stupid trade. I didn't realize they had gave, give, given, given up so much. Gavin's a new word. Given up so much to get the pick where they chose Lockett until I actually read his article. So yeah, I yeah. forgot about it. Yeah, I forgot about it too when I wrote about it. So it was like, Marcellus, awesome job, dude. Uh, and it's really good. It's a really good revisit of that uh, atrocity that the Seahawks committed when they thought it's like, hey, we're going to. And a lot of people, including I, I might have written one of them when they first made the trade, is like, hey, this is a great. This is put the, the Hawks over the top. And none of us were really thinking at the time is like they're not going to use them like they did in New Orleans. He's not going to get 170 targets, which is what they did in New Orleans every year. <laughs> that was not going to happen. I, and as Marcellus quoted, and I'm more than happy to say Marcellus Maddox many times. Uh, as this is a pretty out, awesome name. Yeah, Alliterative. Yeah, yeah. As he pointed out, just because Luke Wilson was on on KJ Wright's podcast talking about we're going to trade the team captain, the onset <laughs> offensive oh, line. The sorry, I thought you meant Luke Wilson, team. like Luke Wilson, like Owen Wilson's brother. Yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy. Uh, in Texas, said, aren't they? We're going to trade our team captain and offensive lineman on a run first team for a receiving tight end. Wilson reiterates, I play tight end. We don't even throw the ball to tight ends. We never have. <laughs> now. To give credit to the Hawks, Luke Wilson did not have the receiving skills of Jimmy Graham. That being said, there is no universe in which I would rather have Jimmy Graham on the Seahawks than Luke Wilson. None. Honestly. Yeah, agreed. Honestly, because Luke Wilson could catch the ball. Luke Wilson was a much better blocker than Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham basically didn't block. And the Seahawks asked him to be that guy and somehow thought he was going to have the production that he had in New Orleans while getting, I don't know, two-thirds of the targets at best, really more like half. It just doesn't make sense in hindsight. That is, That definitely goes on the, on the uh, debiture side of the, of the uh, ledger yeah. for, the, for, for the Carroll. And, and there aren't many of them, honestly. But that was horrific, why they thought Jimmy Graham. And again, I thought Jimmy Graham was a good pickup. But I'm a schlep. These guys know what they're doing. They should have known that was not going to work. Trading away their all-pro center or whatever the hell he was. I eh, can't remember if he made He all- was a pro bowl. Yeah. But he was a pro bowler for sure and should have been all-pro. I mean, the guy was – he had what? How many great seasons did he have after he left Seattle? 337. There you go. All in curling in lacrosse leagues. <laughs> so that, that was an abysmal uh, trade. But all credit to Marcellus for an excellent article. I loved it. Thank you, sir. I don't remember how, and this is great for a podcast where you're supposed to have an opinion about everything. I don't remember how I felt. So we saw we saw him. We I, I saw the Seahawks in Tampa, right? Yeah, the, year, yeah. so the year they picked him up. And then he mm-hmm. had that big fumble at the end. And that was one of the Seahawks' worst games ever. Oh my gosh, fourteen to five, right? It was yeah, it horrible. was it, it was horrible. Uh, Wilson and I knocked Wilson a little bit off and on, but Wilson is, and I expect he will be an excellent quarterback again now that he has a coach who knows what the hell he's doing. Um, and I'm not talking about Pete. I'm talking about the guy who's in Denver. 
Uh, Sean he Payton? Was, he, was he was terrible. He was terrible in that game. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. They I think were, that's the worst game horrible. he's ever had. The whole game was bad. It was just like they just. Well, they scored. They scored 14 straight out, right? In like first quarter. And that was yeah. the game. And then I think Cam had two interceptions in that game. Yeah. The defense played okay after yeah, the, the defense first was quarter, all right. but that was it. I mean, the game was. Yeah, I mean, if, if you only give up 14 points, you should win the game. But the offense yeah. was just like. It was awful. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. And, and Jimmy Graham was always. I mean, as I recall, I thought, oh, that's a cool trade. But I don't think I was like super happy with it. But it wasn't like in hindsight. It's like that's stupid because they're not going to. I wasn't smart enough to think. You're not going to throw the ball to him 170 times because they don't throw the ball that often, especially not to tight ends. Luke Wilson knew. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that part of the show is brought to you by Jimmy Graham Plains. <laughs> mm. Jimmy Graham loves us. <laughs> Jimmy Graham is an awesome right, pilot. And in the right system, he's a fine player. He was a terrible fit for the Seahawks. Yeah, he's not a jerk either. I mean, he's, No, he's, no, not at all. He was decent for the Packers. I mean, not great, but he was decent for the Packers because they throw the ball more. Yep. Well, and they have a quarterback who can oversee. Oh, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> True. There's a tight end out there. I didn't, didn't never saw the middle of the field begin. If you hear that loud noise, it's thunder. Yeah, how, um, how, it's how storming at, at the studio. So if I lose power, I apologize. Storming at the studio? If I, if I lose power, everybody listening to this podcast can applaud. By the way, I am not podcasting from outside today because with the heat index, it is a 105. Thank you so much, Florida. I'm doing this from uh, outside in Austin, Texas, and it is uh, 135. <laughs> I am uh, acclimating myself to uh, Celsius temperatures because in three weeks, that's all I'm going to know. So currently it's 29, but it feels like 34. So uh, Celsius is like three sevenths of pi compared to what the actual temperature is. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Seventh of pi. Seventh of pi. One seven four twelve. I think about 13 degrees. Yeah, that's there you go. Right. It's 13 degrees in Toronto, and that's cold. Actually, it's. Uh, 30 in Toronto today. 30 Celsius, I'm assuming. Yeah. What is, so what is, how do you do the Celsius thing again? Uh, you multiply by nine-fifths and add 32. That's nine-fifths. I'm not well, even. So sure. if it's 100 degrees in Miami, that means it's 195 in Toronto? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I Rob Gordon. That's correct. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I I overstated it. It's only uh, 94 feels like today, which is so that's it, hot. here here, but you know that's like gross. Oh. In yeah, in Toronto, hot. it is currently it's actually not that bad today. It's uh, only 77, and feels like 77. So they have like no humidity in Toronto, right? But it has Tor been. Toronto is lower uh, as far as a uh, latitude, right? Latitude uh, oh. than Seattle. Uh, I believe that's correct. Yes, sir. Which is crazy when you think about it. Right? Yeah, Toronto is uh, very much in like the Midwest Plains. And because it's on the opposite side of Lake Ontario, it doesn't get the hideous snow, uh, lake effect snow that Buffalo does. Buffalo? Same temperatures. Yeah, they don't get the snow. 
Toronto I mean, they is low. Like, you know, when, when Buffalo gets 10 feet of snow, Toronto will have like one foot. So, yeah. which is yeah, a lot bad. of snow. But no, it's, it's normal. So, and so I'm it's, it's lower to, uh, than uh, Green Bay. It's lower than Minnesota, uh, where the Vikings play, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fairly, I mean, it's, I mean, it's close to Kentucky, city. I think. <laughs> it is. It's right across the river. It is Cincinnati. People just call it Toronto because they're weird up there. I did look it up. I, th- I think I was, nice. don't remember if I mentioned this, but uh, I was joking with uh, the family last week and uh, the family being Mr. Manson and, and others um, that um, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, Todd will now be closer uh, to us in Toronto than he is in Miami. And I, I think I actually thought I think that's kind of true. And I looked it up and I was like, yep, it's it, it, it true. is true. It is true by like 30 some miles or some shit or maybe an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It is because of Atlanta. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's only two hours to Miami from from Knoxville, Tennessee, but Atlanta adds another <laughs> Atlanta. 10 hours. Atlanta does. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to going through Atlanta, but at least I'm not driving a U-Haul. You know what's nerve wracking? Uh, well, number one in the nerve wracking thing is going on a submersible called the Titan. <laughs> number two and then going, then yeah. having your stepson go to a, a Blink-182 concert and be like, I'm mourning. And, and, and then when po- Cardi B calls you out for it, and you're like, she doesn't po- even care about my family. I'm like, dude, you're the one with the stepdad that's dying. And, and, what the and hell's wrong about, with you? And post about your favorite OnlyFans model. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, now that Andrew's off, now that we can go more Nikki X mode. Um, I, uh, no, I'm not going to go there because it will be on for an hour. Uh, I think it's time for the Rob Gordons. Yes. And do you want to say what the Rob Gordons are this week, Todd? I <laughs> don't know that accent. Uh, I don't even know why I started talking that way. This week, Jeez. we're looking at the five most surprising movies in a good way, as opposed to Tats, which was... Five, five worst accents month. ever. Um, yes, I just did two of them. <laughs> Renee Zellweger. In, no, um, <laughs> right now, you know, I saw a clip uh, just the other day from Jerry Maguire, and you could actually see her pupils. I was like, what the hell? No. <laughs> you used to actually be able to see Renee Zellweger's eyes. It was amazing. Um, I anyway. mean, you used to be able to see the rest of her face because her lips weren't so big. I don't understand. Okay. I don't either. I don't understand why, even if you're in the film industry, why you're having reconstructive surgery unless you've been in an accident like Luke Skywalker and slash Joker, because the guy, Mark Hamill, doesn't exist. He's just his characters at this point. But uh, why do you do that to yourself? You don't look like the same person. And then say, oh, no, I didn't. It's like, come on. It's clearly, that's not a normal process of aging. (laughs) And your skin is (laughs) so tight, you can't see your eyes. Right. And your lips have suddenly, you know, you. it makes no sense. Anyway. I assume they do it because, well, I assume... Not in her case, but I assume in a lot of reasons, I can speak English, a lot of reason for it is that, you know, their movie producers don't want to, oh, you know, it would, a lot of them you're, you're an old woman. Too. It's not even really a man. It's like you're, if you're an old woman, because there's so, so much sexism, yeah, you know, yeah, we're not true. going. But it's still like as a, as a person going to see a movie, I, I'd rather see yeah. Julia Roberts naturally age and be in a yeah. movie as and she's 65 than like, oh, OK, well, this is. Julie Roberts with a lot of it's just I don't get it either. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, you can be. Yeah, it's and a lot of guys and and male actors too. too. Mickey Rourke, hello, <laughs> who, who apparently has gone back under the knife and now he looks more like a 
a normal alive. human. <laughs> um, Hard to tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what are the five most again? surprising movies in a good way, oh, okay. as opposed to atrocities. Gotcha. That would be a definite list. So I'll uh, I'll do number five. I'll start. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I've got a bunch on my list actually. I've got like eight five. that I wrote down. Um, so I'm gonna have to pare this go, down. No, no, no. Go through your go give your honorable mentions. I don't I I don't have hog um, time hog the time. I'm going to uh, let's see. I will start <laughs> with. I will start. Oh, I okay, honorable mentions, I guess, are. Um, there needs to be a movie called People would flock to go see that movie Because it's like I've known that movie Japanese almost. horror film um, <laughs> Yeah I guess my uh, my The Grudge uh, Part 7 <laughs> Exactly Honorable mentions would be uh, sp- black hair. What's that? Drowning. Be a little kid with long black hair who's drowning Yeah I mean, That's pretty much it um, But he's saved at the end until he drowns until he saves somebody or whatever. Anyway. So yeah. uh, Spinal Tap, which I expected to be good ah. when I saw it. But, you know, oh. people was like, oh, it was the first kind of mockumentary thing from the Christopher yeah. Guest group. Uh, and that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I will say I got Paddington 2 on here. Again that movie. Paddington 2, just because I was. slow it down. It's totally the soundtrack from Halloween. Yes, Paddington 2. Yeah, which I don't know oh. if the first one was good, but people are like, oh, Paddington 2. It seems like silly, but it's actually it's not just good. It's actually a phenomenal film. Have you ever seen it? I have. Like, it's super good. On, on your recommendation. Yeah, and, and Paddington, I thought Paddington was excellent, and I agree Paddington 2 is actually something. And that's a real bear, by the way. Yeah, that's what's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah just phenomenal the sun, acting. The sun bear that they dyed his fur. So that's right. Like a miniature grizzly. Um, Actually, I think he's a stunted. He's he's. I won't say it. I was going to say something, but I won't say it. They, and and, I won't and say it. the animal world, they can't win Oscars, but they want a TED. They so. Um, <laughs> That's well done, sir. And yep. then uh, I guess I'll say so. I guess my last one was, and I I was looking forward to it. I didn't expect it to be as good as it actually was. Yep. The reviews were good, but you know it is what it is. Um. But Blackberry is just, if you haven't seen it yet, um, you should, because oh, it'll, I be, not seen it yet, but yes, it'll be I your, to see it. your new I, native I, land. Um, I have but, one fairly Glenn, recent film on, on my list. I don't have any uh, really old films either. Uh, I, yeah, well, I don't think I mean, they're all I don't like have your classics. By the way, by the way, in the middle <laughs> of our uh, uh, of our Rob Gordon's, Warner Warner Discovery, whatever the hell your company name is, you morons. Me? They're cutting oh, my, my company is named Leave Owl Incorporated, <laughs> they're, based they're, on they're, the Bruce Springsteen song. They, they, they cut the staff of Turner Classic Movies from 90 to about 20, and, and, and they're selling off the music catalog, and they've, they've, they've shelved uh, Turner Classic Movies in the UK. So, it, it, what are you doing? I'm... Yeah, it's just a streaming channel. It's just a, a cable channel. But it's so many of those films fun. were fluff. <laughs> well, in some ways, you're right because they do have a lot of Red Skelton films. Um, <laughs> God, but, I hope not. But this is they they do. They, oh, this no. is literally the the only repository where people can find a book repository. Repository. Thousands, thousands, I've got South Park going through my head. Thousands of Hollywood films. 
that you literally can't find anywhere else and uh, streaming and they do international that they do films for you know the birthdays of certain directors and you know 24 hours of kurosawa you're not going to find that on any other streaming channel you're not going to find that and they just it's it's a phenomenal resource in in a lot of ways it's even better than the criterion channel and they're gutting it and it sucks and you suck you idiot they just weren't profitable i guess right yeah, because that's I the mean, whole it sucks, thing that matters. Well, you know, and, and it's like, and yeah, it's a business, but it's like, well, why didn't you take a tax write off on the Flash, which is bombing? Absolutely, is bombing. it really? Is it really bombing? I oh, didn't know that. Yeah, it made like fifty-five million opening weekend, and it dropped like sixty, almost seventy percent second weekend. This is going to mm. be one of the biggest bombs ever, considering that they oh spent gosh. at least two hundred million production, another hundred in promotion. They even and they're damaging. They're they're going so far, and I'm sorry to go in the middle of this, but actually I'm no. not. They're even damaging the reputation of the upcoming DCU because they convinced James Gunn to shill for the movie. He said, "Oh, this is the best. This is the the best superhero movie ever." It's like, dude, no one is going to watch want to watch anything that you do when you say a piece of garbage. And I haven't seen it yet, but most people say this is trash. And See, I think, can I just jump in? I think you're wrong there because it only dropped 72.3% from last weekend. <laughs> and I'm looking at it right now, Box Office Mojo. And it only made 55 in the first weekend. Yeah, 87 million through this weekend. It's a huge disaster financially. And, and you've got the people who are running your new universe that you're, you're forcing them to shill for a movie which clearly is not successful. I mean, that's an absolute fact. And most people don't like it. Again, I might walk, go see it and I love it because Chappie got horrible reviews. That's one of my favorite movies. And it's got terrible reviews. So just because most reviews are bad doesn't mean it's not a good film, right? But True. Yeah. by acclamation, this is a bad film. And, and you're forcing the guy who's leading the charge for your new universe to say it's a good film. Why am I going to trust him to produce good films if he thinks this is good? You know, it's like, oh, Cats is fantastic. We're going to bring out a new universe of musicals. It's like, you know what? I'm not interested in your series because you're stupid <laughs> or you're lying. Oh, that reminds okay. me. Anyway. Have you seen? Um, I have. What's the new Samuel L. Jackson show on Disney Plus? Uh, Secret Invasion. I've seen the first episode. Yes. What do you think? Uh, I haven't I seen it. I liked it. I liked it. You did like it? Uh, you know, it's got a lot of groundwork to lay in the first episode, like most episodes, but I liked it. I like the fact that it's basically Nick Fury's show rather than, I'm going to call the Avengers. It's like, he's got to handle it. And it, it makes sense the way it's set up. It had a couple of surprises, which is good. Uh, so, yeah, so far, so good. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Anyway, my number, f- oh, you haven't gotten to your number five yet because we're doing. Oh, that's true. That's true. So I'll say, listen, I have to remember which one I actually had in my uh, yeah, honorable mention. Um, no, I, I named uh, Blackberry Spinal Tap. Yeah, 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 that was right. So uh, number five for me is going to be. Um, is, oh, God. That's uh, that, that 80s song with that music that the song was. Uh, 80s yeah, movie okay. that was, that song was in it. Everyone. That would be with some movie title. That eighties song. That eighties movie with a song in it. That's an eighties song with the movie in it. There ever was. Yes. Well. Um. 
Yeah. So number five, number five for me is yeah. well, yeah. I'll say I'm just not gonna go in any order. Ace Ventura. Um ah, which like is because I, I mean you look at it and it's like, oh that's, that's silly. Yeah. And then yeah. the movie did really well, but it's it's just fine. It's supposed to be it's very funny. funny. It's, it's just ridiculous. Funny. It's stupid. It's crass, but it's hilarious. It's everything it, it wanted to be. Exactly. As we always say, is like you judge a film based on what they wanted to do. Not not just like, oh, were they trying to do Schindler's List? Well, then if they were, they failed miserably. Were they trying to make a funny movie? <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, I totally agree on that one. Not on my list because you're wrong. But What? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, I'm going with the Lego movie. For no, for, I almost had that on there. For no particular. Same thing. I easily could have put Ace Ventura on. Um, I just expected kind of a dopey kids movie, and it has a lot of heart, and it's brilliantly animated. It looks fantastic. I didn't. I didn't even go with. Well, I won't say anything until we're no. I didn't go with Into the Spider Verse just because after the Lego movie, it was kind of like. Into the Spider-Verse is brilliant, but I don't think that was a surprise. I think people expected it to be good. I don't know if they yeah. expected it to be that good, but I mean, there was reasonable expectations to think, this is going to be a really good movie. The fact that it's like over the top brilliant is aside the point, but it wasn't a surprise. Year number four. Number four for me is Elf. Again, it's a... <laughs> um, all of these pretty You're much have the same... silly mood, sir. Um... Yeah, Elf well, is very yeah, except for one of them, which is kind of ironic that it's not silly. But um, <laughs> yeah, Elf, Elf it's is just, weed, isn't it? It's it is. I mean, it's it it's ended up being a comedy, and nobody expected it. No, um, it? no Elf is just it's uh, you know it's it's a Christmas movie. You're like oh, it's a throwaway Christmas movie, kind of like the 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 Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds yeah, yeah. thing that they made this year was like eh, it's a one off. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> But Elf is just like you could keep watching it just because he plays it with Will Ferrell plays it with so much joy. It's like it, it's perfect, honestly, the way you wouldn't play it any other way. I resisted watching Elf for years because I thought it was going to be another stupid ass Will Ferrell. Because you're like Peter Dinklage, that <laughs> asshole from uh, the dragon thing. I don't I don't like generally typically I don't like Will Ferrell in a lead role because I typically to me he can't pull off a lead role. Not the case in Elf. Elf has a lot of just like with uh, Ace Ventura, uh, has more heart than you would expect for the Lego movie. Um, yeah. And it's extremely funny. It doesn't hurt that Bob Newhart's in it, because, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Elf, totally. It has, again, talking about expectations. I don't think anyone expected Elf to be a classic, and, and it is. It truly is. It is. I know you were going, it came out you know, the same year, but you were probably thinking it was like the sequel to The Station Agent, and it's just not. But, um, it's not. Both fine films. Both came it's out in 2003. Quite, it's not quite a sequel to the station agent. I'm going to go off the rails on this one. And I'm going, this is my more recent film, is Barbarian. Uh, it's oh, not I want to see Barbarian. that, and I haven't, because you told me it was so good, or you liked it so much, and I was like, yeah, we need to really see good. it, and haven't. Barbarian is a... Uh, kind of between a thriller and a horror film, and I know... This it's got Russell Crowe, right? He's a gladiator? Yeah, that's it. Um, it's it, it basically takes the typical horror films of like don't go down there kind of and then stands them on their head, and it's just very brilliantly done. It's legitimately scary uh, at all the right moments. It's just a really well done film. I almost went with Smile, except I think that Smile I think is even better. 
But I, th I think the expectations were, were, to me, the expectations were higher for Smile, just because there have been, not that particular film, but there have been a slew of really good horror films lately. And I think people just kind of expected, well, everything else has been good. Smile should be good, too. And it was. So, uh, but Barbarian, I, I think, really just started this, this chain of, wow, this is a, a good low-budget film that doesn't look low-budget extremely well acted great direction it's just a really good film interesting i didn't know barbara stanwick was in it oh no mistyped sorry um <laughs> so number number three for me i was looking at the running time how long oh it's an hour and 42 minutes that's yeah, yeah. i mean those kind of films to me like when they get too long it's like okay right. now it's just but yeah, that, that's me, a good running hour and a half minutes, something like that yeah 100 minutes that's like the sweet spot for that kind of film for yeah. me typically yeah or like like red eye is really good um with um with Killian Murphy, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's what like ninety minutes long. I mean, it's just it's still kind of a it's not a horror, but it's suspense in the same kind of vein. I mean, the only but, film that that breaks that mold is is Doctor Sleep, and you have to watch the director's cut, which is of course even longer. But interesting. It needed, it needed it's to me the director's cut is so much better than the theatrical release. It's a really really good film, and everything they cut should have been in the original film. Anyway. Yeah, number three. It is it is so dark right now. I'm actually going to take a photo of my window and send it to you. It literally it looks so like dark. Time. Is that like don't look up? Anyway, no, it's like don't go down there except if you're standing on your head. I think that's what you said, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody stands on there. It's uh, yeah, it's like uh, REM's uh, yeah, it's don't fall on me video. It's the gymnast um, film. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just sent you. A, that's like literally how dark it is right now. Just texted you. So I, I, I think I'm coming up there then. Um, straight to Toronto. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What? Else? I can't remember. So I've done. Oh God. Done what? what? Time is it up there? Nine thirty at night. What the heck? Yeah. Hell? Seriously, it's dark. That's crazy. It's like, I mean, literally, I guess we are. Uh, the sun is gone. Severe thunderstorm warning, but. Well, that's um, pretty severe. Yes. So. Maybe um. This is the longest Rob Gordon's ever. <laughs> probably not even longer since the last one um so let's see i've done uh paddington 2 i did elf paddington 2 was a thing yep, 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 so yep. i'm number three right yeah okay well, so number three we've been doing this for like 25 minutes um, not even halfway through my fault sorry no that's okay uh that was actually a criticism of uh, seattle sports was talking about the criticism of the uh, major league baseball channel tv channel doing their like top 100 players and it's like they spend all this time and then they get the number two and three and one and i don't know why i went in that order i just am sane insane i guess but anyway they get to that and they're like they don't spend any time on them because it's like you're talking so much about the other ones but um, I found, so number three for me is yes. is uh the wedding singer which is oh a, good call which I is just about a the wedding great singer. film pure entertainment yeah. not overdone the the acting is I mean, take what you will yeah, with yeah. Adam Sandler, but he's perfect in that role. He is um, one of the few films I've seen with Adam Sandler that I absolutely enjoy. Well, it, you're going to love this because I've got another Adam Sandler film on my list. Of course you do. Grown Ups 2. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a second one? Oh, my gosh. We've got to stop this. No. Yeah. There, you did, seriously, you I, did, I, I did Grown Ups 2. Yeah, there I is did. a Grown Ups 2. I actually never saw the first one. So. I never have either because I saw the reviews and it's enough yeah. uh yeah i totally agree in the wedding singer because again and it was earlier before it's like what is this deliverance or something people <laughs> realized 
That would be nice if Adam Sandler's character dies. Not Adam Sandler, because he's a nice person, but his films are generally atrocious. Like yeah, the Steve Martin's playing the, the the banjo there, and what am I watching? That would be awesome. Oh, my God. Martin Short is the guy with no teeth who's like, <laughs> Man, they got to do it now. It sounds like an awesome, uh, awesome opportunity. They, they do have to do it. And Mar- again, Martin Short is not playing the Ned Beatty role. Martin Short is the guy literally doing Ned Beatty. Um yeah, The Wedding Singer is such a good movie. Absolutely agree. I, I, literally, I, I, most Adam Sandler movies is like I would just as soon burn every copy and destroy every digital. Especially print. the last ten years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Murder I, I, Mystery it, isn't that bad. I haven't seen. It, it kills me one. when people acclaim his acting. It's like he's doing his shtick, but it's in a drama instead of a comedy. It's like, what are you watching? Well, you're going to hate my next like, one. Oh, I've seen him do that like a thousand times. Thanks. Yeah, yeah The Wedding Singer is brilliant. I love The Wedding Singer. Uh, seriously. I think there's like two Adam Sandler movies I like, and that's one of them. The other one might be next three. on my list. Number three. There's three Adam Sandler films I like. Anyway, uh, my number uh, three. three is The Edge of Tomorrow, one of the worst titles ever. Because, uh, for one thing... Uh, Wait, so are you talking about some... Live, Die, Repeat? Yes, I'm talking about Live, <laughs> Die, Repeat. Exactly. Which which is a tagline for the film, which in a lot of advertising of the film is in much bigger font than the actual title. Live, Die, Repeat is a much better title. Edge of Tomorrow is... You know, it sounds like a soap opera on ABC in 1967. <laughs> it does. That's funny. It's such a good film because... Wait, isn't Edge of Tomorrow a soap opera name? Edge of uh, Edge of Night, Search for Tomorrow, two um, different soap operas, and they just like, oh, you know what? It'd be cool. Let's just blend them. That's right. And it says it's just terrible. I mean, it makes sense in the context of the film, but it's so stupid. It's so generic. But I, I love it because Tom Cruise plays. A, he's the hero, but he plays against type because he's kind of a dork who has to be trained incessantly through multiple uh, lives to become a hero. And Emily Blunt plays a total badass. And, and you know, it's an alien invasion thing. But it, the, the conceit of him having to repeat the training until he becomes uh, a, a quality fighter is well done. And the film is really well done. I, I, again, the only thing bad about the film is, is, is the title. But to me, that was a big surprise. I can't even remember why I watched it. Because I, I expected it to be pretty crappy, but it was surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. And, and they're finally working on a sequel for it. Once he finally stops doing uh, Mission Impossible 97 or whatever. Ah. Gonna... Sorry, <laughs> I may lose. I may actually lose power here. In a that was fun. I like that <laughs> I was like too. lightning, like <laughs> literally outside my window. Oh, wow. Um, wind's blowing. Uh, we up to number two, I think. I think there's yeah, like girl running in the rain oh no they're just filming a movie, filming a movie. <laughs> that's all it is number two for me is another adam sandler joint um <laughs> which is uh punch drunk love yeah punch drunk um, love. i had a feeling because he he's he's really good in that he, he's he, very good in that talking about going against type i mean he, he definitely yep. does it and he plays it straight and it's he you doesn't don't have really... his shtick he doesn't play adam sandler in a drama right he plays the character he shows he can act really good film. film 
he chooses yeah. not to act most of the time. I mean, even though I don't dislike Adam Sandler as much as you do, I mean, there's some like uh, sometimes it just gets old. Like, okay, I don't want to watch it because I it, know what I'm going to see. It, but if, if, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was my chair creaked. I was like, I'm not in Murph's chair. Murph, get off me. <laughs> you know, but if no, had, I mean, it's, if he had put the same effort and the same performance into Uncut Gems as he did Punch Drunk Love, that is a, an absolute classic film. But the fact that he didn't, the fact that like a hundred actors could have done a better job in his role in Uncut Gems. I mean, a lot of people are lauding Uncut Gems. Oh, it's a great movie. It's like, yeah, it would be if the lead at performance wasn't Adam Sandler doing his Adam Sandler crap, <laughs> but in a drama. Punch Drunk Love showed the guy can act. And it's like, like. It's Which makes it more thought, frustrating oh, for you, right? Because you know exactly, he can do it and he just doesn't. Know, exactly. And he doesn't. It's like, well, I did it once. I don't have to ever do it again. It's like, what are you doing? Come on, uh, just dude. just to interrupt you for a second i i, I took i brought up barbarian on imdb yeah. when we were talking about it right. and it just dawned on me i've been watching the trailer the whole time while we've been talking <laughs> so i'm sure i'm gonna have some kind of you're gonna have kind some of weird serious trauma <laughs> you think you don't have a basement because you would never go down there yes, um, well i do have a standing crawl space you don't want to go there either buddy you know what i'm saying it's where i keep my meat so uh, number two for you. <laughs> I just thought of like a million terrible things to say, but I can't. Uh, number two for me is speaking of a comedy vein, uh, because Lunch Truck Club is not a comedy. Uh, Tropic Thunder. Tropic yeah. Thunder surprised the hell out of me. And, and there's been there's been more controversy lately uh, for the <laughs> can't even say it without laughing about it for for the role that uh mr tony sark played in it and uh, but they make a point in the movie yes that's the whole point the whole <laughs> point of it is the whole thing is a satire the whole thing is a satire <laughs> what do you mean you people yeah i mean that's the, the fact that he's such a method actor uh, this is not going to spoil the movie for anybody hopefully it would make more people watch it who haven't and by the way if you can watch the uncut version <laughs> yes, watch the version. <laughs> it is available on Voodoo because that's where I got it. Uh, but Robert Downey Jr. plays an actor who is so committed to method acting. He's he's playing an actor who is playing a black character in the film because it's about guys making a film. So he's a white actor because he's Robert Downey Jr. But in this, he's playing an actor who is then in blackface playing a black character. And he will he refuses to go out of character. And a lot of people were upset because it was like, what are they doing? It's like, why is he in blackface? Like, like you just said, that's the point. That's the point of that character, because it's so absurd. It's so absurd how committed he is. And uh, one of the other characters who is black, it becomes incensed with the fact that he thinks the the Robert Downey Jr. character thinks he's more black than the guy who is actually black. And it's right. hilarious. The whole film is absolutely hilarious. It's it's just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think many many people expected much out of it, but to me, it's such a hysterical satire. On yeah, if you're easily if yeah. you're easily offended, don't see the film. That kind of goes with some of our other films, anyway. Uh, definitely goes with my uh, number one film. But yeah, yeah, you don't, you're not going to want to watch the film. But if you're easily offended, why? Well, I was thinking us? more that. The part of um, Ben Stiller playing the, yes. the mentally handicapped person. Don't go full. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
it's like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. hilarious film. Anyway, your uh, yeah your, number one for me is Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. Oh, good call. Which is uh, just a very fun film. I mean, it's one you could watch over and over, and I have um, because my yeah. second oldest daughter loved that film when when she was younger, and it's just. It's it's fun. Johnny Depp's character. I remember the uh, Johnny Depp character. Obviously, if you've seen the film, you know what he does. He has an English accent when he showed up. You know, he yeah, yeah. did that, and all the other actors were like, well, "I'm not really sure what you're doing." And then, it, you know, it actually turned out to be. Did he get nominated for an Oscar for that? I think he did. I think he did. Which is like it's, it's certainly a Golden Globe, if not an Oscar. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and it's a said he modeled great like performance. Keith Richards, which is hilarious hilarious yeah i mean it's a it's a fantastic performance but and the film itself is very good and totally fits the category because nobody disney had had already tried to do films based on their right i mean a film based on an amusement park ride are you kidding me how stupid is that right especially that one it's like yeah and you do with it it's a great movie it's so entertaining and and again johnny depp absolutely drives the whole film everybody is really good in it but it's like he's phenomenal no. Um, my number one, and I, I think you like this pick, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I don't think anyone expected much of this. People who knew about the play probably were hopeful uh, that it would be a good film. But how many people in the United States knew about that this play existed? Like Three. Seven? <laughs> I, I, over, I overestimated it. And you know, how many times have you seen the play? How many times have I seen the, that musical? The um uh, I I don't know a lot. I've seen it locally. Yeah, I've seen it on Broadway with uh, yeah, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris yeah, a lot. I know you've seen the, the play a lot. I've not had a chance to see the play. I'd love to. But uh, the, the musical is different because um yeah. because it's the the movie's fleshed out obviously because you right, have to. Course. But with um with uh in the musical it's just Hedwig and and the band and right. that's. I mean, it's time. So that's that's it. No, and it's, no, so the performance. No, Tommy Gnosis. Well, he, no, there's no Tommy Gnosis. Tommy oh, is wow, like off. You never see him. He's just always off stage. And I mean, oh, if okay. the person playing Hedwig is not fully right. in the role, it would suck because it's absolutely, like absolutely. he literally does everything. Yep. And, and the movie is phenomenal. And I'm not even going to talk about what it's about. There's speaking of you might be if you're easily offended this movie is not for you but again why are you listening to us because you should have hung up like 30 minutes ago it's like Uh, andrew's done let's let's go good part (laughs) right like now it's just those idiots oh my god god knows what they're gonna say this week uh it's a brilliant film and i doubt that there were big expectations for it and i don't know what it did uh at the box office Uh, probably more than made its money back because again there's no way a studio would have given them a lot of money. Not for this project. They should have, but... Yeah, uh, it's, it's a cult classic, right? I it's mean... such a good film. The performances, the music is incredible. Uh, I mean, I just, I just rewatched it like about a week ago. Probably literally the ninth or tenth time I've watched the film. Uh, and, and some of the songs are absolute, absolutely brilliant. And they're, they're, they're so touching i mean it's an amazing film and i can't believe there were big expectations for, for that movie even for the people who'd seen the play because a lot of times plays especially musicals don't translate well uh, and that one could have been if john john cameron and mitchell weren't involved in both 
Exactly, exactly. And what have gone he, he, is, he is basically the film. And yeah. it, it's, What's his, his it, idea? Gone, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, and we actually uh, stayed at the Jane Hotel in New York. When we, we went to New York yeah. to see, that was the reason we were going. It's like, oh, no Patrick Harris yeah, yeah. is in Hedwig. We're going to see Yeah, it. I remember that's why you guys went to, to yeah, New York we, just for that because the play was... Stayed at the same hotel where they did all the pre-production of the musical before it came out off off Broadway. So it's crazy, and I'm sure Neil Patrick Harris was like brilliant, but I oh I, yeah he's but he I can't fantastic. believe he was better than the guy who created the freaking thing. Yeah, so. just just different. I've seen yeah 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 they they had a few iterations of the people. He was he was the first one. John Cameron Mitchell actually came back in a very short time just to play it when yeah. they were in between. Hedwig's, um, but yeah, Neil Patrick Harris was—he was great. I mean, the the music—it's like you're at a concert when you're at, watching the musical. I mean, oh, it's, sure, it's that's what it is. Well, the um, film—the film is full of because it, it's a musical. It's full of music, and but yeah. like you said, it's more fleshed out. But yeah, uh, just a brilliant. But I like what you said about how it's different for I me mean, because there are a lot of famous roles where different actors have their own interpretations. Excuse me, and it's not like one is better than the other; they're just different. Right, so. like the Doctor Who's. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Actually, I haven't really watched it, but I know there's a lot of different actors who have been Doctor Who, and I'm sure they have their own interpretation to yeah, some yeah, degree. Yeah. Everyone has, and everyone has their their own favorite. For me, it's David Tennant, the Scot, because um, he's brilliant. But he's I like the the Adam Sandler one. <laughs> you know what? I would actually watch an Adam Sandler <laughs> Doctor Who because it would be. So so bizarre! Oh my God! Or, like, or Bill Hader as Barry day, like, doing Doctor Who? Oh no, Bill Hader would be awesome. If he's if he's if he's Barry, yeah, he's, so. Bill Hader would be a good Doctor Who. Uh, Hader Bill probably Hader. would be a fantastic. Bill, Bill, Bill Hader. Awesome. Bill Hader, by the way, is the front runner uh, for uh, the new James Bond. That would be very interesting. <laughs> Hey, dude, probably could pretty much do whatever. It's almost could. it was almost freeing of uh, uh, to be not on Saturday Night Live anymore because he just does. Oh sure. So. Yeah, yeah he did say uh, he said the first um first when he got he got offered I can't remember it was a- Amy Poehler they're both from Oklahoma of all places so um Amy Poehler was saw him at, like Los Angeles or something it was like oh you know coming ended up being on Saturday Night Live and he said the first skit I ever wrote and we were doing it in in production to show or you know pre-production to show like the rest of the I cast did. members and they had to pick it he was like when we did it and I looked over at uh, Tina Fey and she had this look on her face what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> So, Tina. Yeah, but um, yeah. If you ever get, he's on Conan's. Conan O'Brien has this awesome podcast. If you haven't listened to it, called Conan. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Um, <laughs> but um, Conan's really good on that podcast. It's uh, Conan, Conan he's an good. underappreciated person. Oh, he is. Um, he is. He is very <laughs> underappreciated. Oh, by the way, that's our new next Rob Gordon's most underappreciated human talk on show the host. <laughs> no, no, just people in general. Conan O'Brien would be one of them. No, no. Talk- Morton Downey Jr. was a god. <laughs> could we do? Could we? Are there, are there five underappreciated talk show hosts? I don't know if there are. Uh, Conan would definitely be one of them for sure, if not number one. Yeah. Because he, yeah. he got shouted so badly. 
Yeah. So good. I just rewatched uh, not not to stretch the show out any longer than it needs to be at an hour and a half already, but uh, I rewatched when he first came on Letterman after he moved to TBS the first time he came on, and Conan was obviously uncomfortable talking about Jay Leno, and Letterman enjoyed the fact that he was uncomfortable. Because <laughs> Letterman was more than happy to rip Jay Leno. It was oh yeah, hilarious, yeah. and Conan was like. You know, but he even did the Leno thing too. Like, you know, like oh my god, Conan was like, he he wanted to rip him, but he knew he shouldn't because it's not the nice thing. But but Letterman like really goaded him into it. <laughs> like, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Conan is is he's so self-effacing. O'Brien, Conan yeah, O'Brien yeah. is. It, yeah. It's hard to him. Where yeah, Letterman the is. The thing is, is he oh. comes across like he's like five foot four, and he's six foot four. <laughs> when he yeah, he's, uh, to make himself like a small person in the right ways, in the right way, you know, he's his, just uh, for the ride. Most recent yeah, podcast, very... I, I think it's the most recent podcast because he'll have the cool thing about the podcast that he does much better than we do on this podcast is that he'll have like and famous people on it every other, like every other one or so. Yeah. But sometimes he just has people who he has literally never met and they're just fans of the podcast and he'll have them on for like a whole. 30 minutes oh, and you'll just talk about it. so on this recent so one, you're talk- saying there's a chance yeah exactly so on this <laughs> recent one that's fine film too probably uh, one people don't expect no, yeah. but um the first dumb and dumber but um the uh this guy's from argentina and conan's like so you you think the way i look because the guy's a painter and he painted conan like before he was on the podcast and <laughs> I, you can't see it but the guy was like yeah you have like a tomato can cheese tomato can chin and he goes like well i don't even know what that means but um he's like oh the way i look you think i'd fit right in with the people in argentina <laughs> and the guy's like no not really you know tall redhead so <laughs> well, i saw him on one on one clip where he said he's he did the ancestry one two three or whatever you know and he came back as 100 percent irish and and they and I don't know if he talked to them or they wrote him, but they said, this is this is a weird anomaly because no one is 100 percent anything. So you're the first person we've ever come across that is 100 <laughs> percent. Oh, my God. That's really fun. Uh, anyway. Yes. Well, if you're bored with listening to our podcast after an hour and a half, you God should knows you tune are. in to something good like Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Thanks for listening. Why are you the worst? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.